Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Caffeinate here on Friday the 13th. It is a crazy day. I'm Samuel Adams, and welcome to the show. If you're watching right now on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media, I do hope you are having a fantastic day. I appreciate you joining me live if you do jump in. Uh, but of course, if you're watching the VOD later on, then uh, welcome as well. And if you're listening to the podcast, welcome on in. I hope you are doing very well. If this is my first piece of content, or your first piece of content of mine uh, that you happen to have seen, I hope you enjoy the show and that you uh, that you do give me some feedback and let me know what I can improve on, let me know what you thought of the show, etc., etc. Uh, but it is Friday. It's casual Friday. Friday. Normally, I'm a little bit more dressed up, but right now, I'm just kind of relaxing, having a good time. I've got my uh, a, a more comfortable shirt on as compared to the normal tie and, and the regular get-up. I tend to kind of reel it back in uh, as compared to the other days of the week. But with that being said, we're not here to talk about what I'm wearing. We're not here to talk about uh, the the fact that it is, in fact, Friday, which, thank God, what a freaking week, am I right? Uh, but we are here to talk about all of the amazing gaming news, and we have a story of a king that has fallen from his throne on top of uh, one, two, three, four, five, six other stories. We have seven stories I believe to cover today, and all of them are pretty substantial. You know, I would say that there are some mornings where there are just simply not good news stories. There is a, there's a lot of fill info that I have to bring to the table, but when it comes down to it, this day actually has some pretty good stuff. So without further ado, I figure we will go ahead and jump on into it uh, with the fact that my screen seems to be needing to be deactivated and reactivated, and lo and behold, we have some lift off here. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so we'll go ahead and start it off with the fact that God of War reviews have already dropped. They are out. They uh, lasted, uh, or they came out a week before the game is actually slated to come out. So uh, for those that don't know, God of War is pretty much one of the big PlayStation titles that's coming out this year. It's one that I will be playing on day one, and I will probably try. And if I don't 100% the game, uh, I am more than likely going to spend a lot of time with it. So uh, with that being said, I'm very excited about it. And this is one of those scenarios where I actually have had an eye on the reviews. I normally don't really care that much. I normally just kind of look at a game from an objective point of view. I don't really listen to what other people think, and I just kind of enjoy it for what it is and enjoy it for what I'm going to enjoy it for. You know, sometimes if you uh, pay too much attention to what other people think, you take away from the game overall. Uh, there are so many instances of that in my past, but enough of my backstory. What are the reviews for God of War, in fact, looking like? So, starting off from GameSpot, we got a 9 out of 10. Uh, IGN gives it a 10 out of 10. Guardian gives it a 5 out of 5. Game Informer gives it a 9.75 out of 10. Uh, Variety has no score. Uh, Eurogamer gives it a recommended. What kind of ratings are these? Uh, so in general, they've all been a very, very high scores. I've seen some graphics that have been made online uh, with giving it just uh, 10 out of 10 pretty much across the board. Every outlet uh, is generally praising this game for what it has done. Uh, and they've all kind of given the same kind of feedback in that the game changes the formula of God of War in such a way uh, that it kind of gives a rebirth to the franchise overall. And uh, that's something that has been a long time coming. For those that don't know the history of God of War, uh, it was one of the original big PlayStation titles. I believe it debuted on the PlayStation 2, if I remember correctly. That could be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure it debuted on the PlayStation 2. Uh, but whenever the game did come out, it kind of changed the face of PlayStation. It really was uh, violent. It was it was gruesome. It was brutal. People were being literally pulled apart. You know, uh, There were just so many great little features in there, and it really did give... 
uh, a new kind of perspective to that kind of game. But when it comes down to it, it was just kind of a stale button masher. And eventually we had God of War Ascension, which brought in multiplayer mechanics. And overwhelmingly, uh, it just kind of led to a depreciation of value for the entire franchise. And so after taking a couple of years off, you know, after releasing God of War 3 Remastered and then Ascension around the same time, similar time period, uh, we do have this comeback with God of War coming out on the PlayStation 4. And Across the board, people are like, the combat system has been revamped. Uh, the customization system within the game has been revamped completely. There is actually a story in which people can care about Kratos as compared to him just being somebody that rips people apart and is just this violent uh, demigod kind of figure. So... Uh, overwhelmingly, this is a positive move for the franchise overall. I'm excited to play this game. I didn't think that it would be received this well. I've been following this one uh, since before it was released. I remember whenever there were leaks about this being uh, set in the world of Norse mythology as compared to Greek mythology, and I didn't think it was real. You know, it just seems so weird to jump from something that is grounded in Greek mythology and completely and totally shift gears to Norse mythology, which don't normally even touch. Uh, they aren't really related to any any kind of way, shape, or form, uh, but according to the developers, the the portion of, of the franchise that is in the Greek mythology is kind of like the first stage was like the college years of Kratos, and so now he's moving into his middle-aged years where he's got a kid, you know, he's starting to kind of figure out what's going on with the world, etc., etc., that's kind of what we're getting within the world of God of War on the PlayStation 4, and so for those that want to give it a shot, it seems like this is literally a stellar game that you are not going to regret buying whatsoever, you know? Now, there are so many games that come out in 2018 uh, that require your attention. There are so many games that come out across the board that it's hard to define what really deserves your 60 bucks or your or your you know 48 if you have your Prime discount on Amazon if you got in early enough. But uh, there, it's very hard to define what makes a good game and what makes a game worth playing. And I feel like God of War kind of hits every single mark. And uh, this is going to be the the uh, Horizon Zero Dawn of 2018, where it is the standout PlayStation title that wins award across the board. I would say this is going to be getting many, many, uh, many, 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 many Game of the Year awards whenever we do get to that point in the year later on this November, December, and early in the next year of 2019. So uh, if you did want to check out God of War, I would highly recommend it. Looks like it is a stellar a stellar experience. Moving on to the next story, Banner Saga 3 is releasing on July the 24th with a physical edition. I have so... Allergies are just kicking my ass this year. Like... I went to a, I went to, I'm sorry, that was disgusting for audio listeners. I went, I went to, a, for a run yesterday and it was just like, I just, it was kind of like I just bashed in the pollen and, and I just tried to like inundate myself with it to where I was kind of like a fish in water where you just get so used to it. You just kind of, you know, morph into some kind of, some kind of pollen accepting creature. But no, no, I just killed myself essentially yesterday with pollen. Uh, but the Banner Saga 3 is releasing on July the 24th with a physical edition. Uh, Banner Saga 3, the kickstarted final episode of the Viking RPG trilogy, is releasing on July the 24th for PC, Mac, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch. Six years after the Kickstarter for the original game first launched, the strategy RPG series finally finishes as players take their armies to journey beyond the Wall of Darkness. The strong narrative and character building aspects are still in force in the third game, bringing a satisfying conclusion for fans. A physical edition will be published for 505 games called the Banner Saga Bonus Edition for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, which will include all three Banner Saga games in our book and a soundtrack for $39.99. You can see the Stoic game pre-order video below. Uh, we're not going to watch that because copyright Stoic has explained that the mobile versions will arrive at a later date. Uh, coming from Game Informer, our take, I'm excited to finish the series finally. The first game is one of my favorite turn-based strategy RPGs, so I'm pretty excited to pick up the third game on the Switch. 
Uh, so this is pretty much a story that I threw in here because I know that a ton of people actually do care about the Banner Saga. For me, I gave it a shot because both the first and the second game, uh, both of them were free via Twitch Prime, I believe, at some point in the past. And I've also had you know access to them on various platforms and whatnot. But as far as a turn-based RPG kind of setup goes, uh, they were pretty fun games. You know, I'm not going to lie; it's not really my genre. There are certain genres that just don't vibe with me, and this is one of them. Though, uh, with that being taken into account, I will say that it's cool to see them rounding out the series, really fulfilling what fans have experienced or expected uh, of the franchise. And so it's cool also that it's coming out on all of these platforms, PC, Mac, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch, and also, you know, mobile at a later date. Uh, so it should be pretty fun. I don't think it's going to vary much from the standard kind of setup that you have uh, and you've expected from something like the Banner Saga. I think it's going to be pretty much lining up with exactly what you would expect from this legendary franchise at this point. And I, I don't know if it would be considered legendary, uh, but it's definitely notable. It's definitely one that people love and have a passion for. So, you know, take it as you will. Take it for what it is. Uh, we are going to be getting the Banner Saga 3 this July, specifically the 24th on the PC, the Mac, the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch. Also, with the new game coming out, I would also keep an eye out for uh, really good sales on the original and also 2. I think that they normally build up with a huge hefty discount off of the games that have come out in the past, as most publishers and developers tend to do whenever they are releasing a brand new title uh, that is related to ones that have come out in the past. So, you know, keep an eye out for that with the Steam Summer Sale coming up. With, uh, with spring sales and summer sales hitting the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, you can definitely keep an eye out for that kind of good deal that you might be able to get. So... Uh, yeah, moving on to the next story coming to us from Destructoid's Jordan DeVore. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege has brought in 30 million players, and I like the way that Game Informer actually titled this headline. Uh, they said that Rainbow Six Siege officially has more players than the population of Texas. Uh, the developers still have to release 100 operators. Even as just an outsider looking in, Rainbow Six Siege's steady rise over the past few years has been a sight to behold. Uh, you just get a general sense that the game, which recently tried its hand at firefights against virus-afflicted monsters with Operations Chimera, is going well. Ubisoft is backing that feeling up today with word that Siege has brought in 30 million players across all platforms. On behalf of the entire team, we wanted to thank every member of our diverse global community for their support of our games, says brand director Alexander Remy. Uh, Alexandre, perhaps? Uh, I think it's Alexander. Uh, our players are the most valuable element to our game. Over the last three years, we have endeavored to create a solid community built on transparency as we grow and evolve the ever-expanding world of Rainbow Six Siege. Echoing prior comments about the game's, uh, about the title's long-term prospects, Ubisoft says the development team's vision to, is to bring 100 operators to the game for the years to come. Uh, that sounds like a logistical nightmare to sort out, but as long as people keep playing it, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, when the games as a service strategy pans out, it can be a wonderful thing. Uh, and that's the end of the story. Kind of a kind of a, a blunt thing. Pretty much just sharing the the fact that Rainbow Six Siege has had 30 million players across the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and the PC. Uh, so with this with this story, I do want to point out the fact that the developers are trying to put in 100 operators for the years to come, and I think that in concept and in theory, that sounds like a good idea. But in practice. That's just a bit much. Okay, so uh, the way that I can see this working out is that the original operators are going to be phased out over time to keep the game fresh. It's going to be kind of like a nuke scenario uh, where you go in and you don't even think about which ones you need to keep. You don't even think about which ones are fundamental to the game. You go in and you wipe the entire slate and you introduce a whole new slew of characters. Uh, that could very well destroy the entire game. That could absolutely fracture the fan base. You can. There are a lot of things that can happen because of the fact that you're bringing in... An entire new slew of characters, but uh, with this new cast 
becomes kind of a rebirth of the interest in the game overall. I think when it comes down to it, if you introduce a complete new roster of characters, uh, that you're going to be getting uh, a new kind of uh, of competitive scene where you have to find new kinds of strategies. You have to really work with what you've got and figure out which is your new main. Uh, you have to walk into a map and figure out exactly how you can use this new character's abilities to your advantage. I think it really does uh, offer something for the competitive side of Siege, which is one of the biggest parts of the game overall and the platform overall. Uh, because I kind of do see Rainbow Six Siege as a platform. It's more so a foundational starting point as compared to the final product like we are so used to seeing games being. And so, uh, over the next couple of years, I think Rainbow Six Siege could evolve. It could become one of those games as a service, as they say, and it already is because the game has been out for years now and it still continuously gets new content. And I still keep coming back to it, you know, from time to time. Uh, though I do think there are some things that need to be worked on with the game. Obviously, you know, you have to continue uh, balancing the characters and the... the um, you know, utilities and, and abilities that all of these characters do have are these, these uh, you know, classes and whatnot. Uh, but on top of that, you also have to deal with the community. There's a lot of hostility within the community of Rainbow Six Siege. In general, there's a lot of saltiness. There's a lot of people that are, are sore losers. There's a lot of people that are just simply, you know... um not good people out there playing the game, and it really sucks to see such a fantastic gaming experience taken down uh, by the fact that there are so many people that are, um, you know, just not, in general, good gamers to play with. And so, uh, it's unfortunate to see, but it's something that can be dealt with, and I think that uh, Ubisoft and the team over there working on Rainbow Six Siege has the opportunity to kind of make an example of how people should be, uh, and depending on how they respond to this is, you know, how all of that will go, but... I digress. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, you know, obviously the main focus is maintaining the uh, fidelity of the game, maintaining the quality of the game, and bringing a new content that keeps people coming back year after year, month after month, day after day, essentially. And uh, that's not something it's been able to do with me. You know, I come back to Siege about once every three months or so and just give it one round, and then I'm like, well... I've lost every ounce of skill that I had in this game. Let's just never come back to it. And so uh, hopefully they'll be able to change that as time does go on, but we will see. Uh, but... At the end of the day, 30 million players, you know, playing your game, that's a developer's dream. That is what everyone wants to see. If you are developing a game, to see that it has brought in 30 million players, that is a lot of people. And so good for them. Good on them. Good to see that happen. Moving along to a story from GameSpot. A new Soul Calibur 6 character has been announced. Soul Calibur Sad Boy returns. Uh, Bandai Namco has announced another addition to Soul Calibur 6's roster of fighters. Siegfried, I believe is how you say that. Longtime players will no doubt be happy to see the giant sword-wielding warrior return for the 6th entry as he is popular character alongside his corrupted counterpart, Nightmare, who also is set to appear. After losing to Kill Killick and his comrades in the form of Nightmare, Siegfried awoke in an unfamiliar place and he is now unable to free himself from the unforgiving memories of his time spent at the Cursed Sword's puppet. Uh, reads a brief origin story for this version of Siegfried. Uh, the moment of having killed his own father is haunting him. His true nightmare has only just begun. Full of regrets, he is looking for redemption and he desperately wants to free himself from the cursed sword's grasp. Uh, based on the trailer, Siegfried is an angsty as ever, but more importantly... He is as angsty as ever, excuse me, but more importantly, still very handy with the steel. His barrage of sword attacks look deadly and will no doubt require opponents to constantly think about high-low mix-ups as well as ensure he isn't given too many openings as once he gets going, he's difficult to stop. In March, Bandai Namco announced a guest character for Soul Calibur VI, and it was the Witcher's Geralt. Er, uh, we have collaborated with Bandai Namco artists to faithfully recreate Geralt and shared original Witcher 3 Wild Hunt assets like Geralt's model, animations, and weapons, said CD Projekt Red community lead Marcin Momo, I believe. Uh, I think 
think Bandai Namco did an outstanding job of capturing all the details and introducing The Witcher to Soul Calibur in a way fans of both series will enjoy. Uh, since it's been revealed that Geralt will also be featured on Soul Calibur 6's cover, the game does not yet have an exact release date, but it's due out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC sometime this year. I'm not going to lie, you know, when it comes down to it, I do not care in the very slightest about the fact that uh, we are getting a brand new Soul Calibur game. I'm not a big fighting games dude, you know. Uh, when it comes down to it, I'm more so this single-player experience-driven shooter kind of dude. You know, I like a platformer, I like some puzzle games, but when it comes to fighting games, I just never could get into it. You know, that's probably a personal issue on my part, but the fact that we are getting, you know, fan-favorite characters, the fact that Geralt is coming into Soul Calibur VI, it's all very cool stuff. And, of course, you know, Soul Calibur VI has always, always really been about those um, those franchise mashups. That's what people love, that's what people want to see. And this is one of the best examples of that, you know, being brought into fruition it's cool to see that also i have a i have a a discord thing going on right now that's beautiful um but when it comes down to it uh we are going to be getting a brand new character that is in fact an old character coming back to soul caliber 6 so for those fans of uh what the soul caliber series is bringing to the table if you are excited about the fact that soul caliber is going to be coming out then by all means you can check out the uh the siege freed character uh, i believe i'm saying that correctly i'm sure that i will hear relentless comments down below if I don't, and I would appreciate that because I have no idea how to say it, but you can see Siegfried uh, in an unfamiliar place as he is now able to free himself whenever the uh, whenever the game does end up coming out later on this year, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and go into Discord, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to mute all of this shit. I'm not really familiar with Discord, to be honest. Uh, beautiful. Do not receive notifications. Fantastic. Uh, moving on to the next story coming to us from IGN. Uh, the Division update adds Xbox One X enhancements and new content. 4K rendering, higher antra, and anisotrophy, and, uh, improved reflections, improved object detail, and improved screen space shadows, all now available for the Xbox One X. Ubisoft has announced a new update for The Division, adds Xbox One X... Wait, what? Ubisoft has announced a new update for The Division, adds... I think there should be a that there. You know, somebody needs to hit up, uh, somebody needs to hit up my boy, uh, freelance... Uh, oh no, IGN's Xbox editor Brandon Tyrrell. Well, that's awkward. Um, <laughs> Ubisoft has announced a new update for the division that adds Xbox One X 4K Ultra HD optimization in addition to a number of other visual enhancements and new content. Update 1.8.1 is available now on all platforms, bringing it with it to new global events blackout available at the end of April and onslaught available at the end of May. Additionally, a number of tweaks and changes are being deployed in 1.8.1, namely the following increased drop rate for classified gear, legendary difficulty added for Amherst Department and Grand Central Station missions, more than 40 new uh, commendations, global events offered after a uh, offer a new classified gear set catches specific to to each set what uh, legendary missions have a 20% chance to reward classified gear. Assignments provide more division tech. Season pass supply drop rewards 100 division tech and some general bug fixes. Uh, so essentially, if you have an Xbox One X or any other version of the game, I believe, uh, update 1.1.1 or 1.8.1 is about, uh, I think it's coming out now. It should be out for the Xbox One right now. Sorry, I'm, uh, th- this is a very uh, hastily written article. You know, I, I don't I don't criticize other people because I understand that writing stuff is a little bit more difficult than just spewing out information as Discord notifications go off and you uh and you sip on coffee. But um, 
But yeah, so if you are a big fan of the division, you can check out the brand new update, which is rolling out with uh, with 1.8.1. Especially if you have an Xbox One X with the uh, you know with the 4K rendering and the higher anisotrophy, whatever the hell that is, it makes it look prettier. And I think that's probably like geometry stuff, uh, improved reflections, improved object detail, improved screen space shadows, all now available for the Xbox One X. So check that out. See what the changes are. See if it's good stuff. Uh, a couple of weeks back, I went back to try The Division since 2 is coming out. You know, it's going to be the big game at E3, especially as far as the big loot grindy game goes. And, um, I don't know, it was fun. I got into it for a couple of days, but I didn't want to, like... It wasn't a game that I wanted to continue grinding day after day, week after week. You know, I don't have that um, that kind of drive in me, especially for this specific game. Uh, though, as time does go on, I could try out The Division 2, but I don't know that it will be the game that I wanted it to be. And so I don't know that I'm going to be investing all of my time into it, or all of the time that I plan to invest into it. Uh, we'll put it that way. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm excited to see how it does go down, how people enjoy it, uh, what they bring to the table, etc., etc. So... Uh, if you are into that, then again, like I said, you can check out the uh, the Division update on uh, Xbox One X and other platforms now, I believe. So, uh, moving on to our next story. Minecraft for Nintendo Switch is getting Xbox achievements. Mojang does what Nintendo don't. Uh, coming for <laughs> coming to us from Michael McWhorter of their Polygon. Great little uh, great little subtitle right here. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Uh, so Nintendo Switch doesn't have a built-in achievement system, a la Xbox achievements or PlayStation trophies. But the Switch version of Minecraft will soon bring Microsoft's brand of achievements to the platform. A set of Xbox Live achievements for Minecraft for Nintendo Switch was recently spotted by content creator Patrick Maka, who posted the findings on Twitter and by achievement tracking website True Achievements. Uh, the achievement list appears similar to the Xbox versions of the game, as well as those on non-Minecraft platforms like Android. Android and iOS PlayStation versions of the game do not tie into Xbox Live achievements. Uh, looks like Nintendo Switch's version of Minecraft will have achievements! Exclamation point, followed by a picture that also reveals, guess what? Uh, achievements. Uh, representative for Minecraft confirmed to Polygon that the game's Switch version will indeed track Xbox Live achievements later this year. We can confirm that Minecraft players on Switch will soon be able to earn achievements tied to Xbox Live once the Bedrock update is released, a Minecraft spokesperson said in an email. Uh, Minecraft Nintendo Switch Edition was released in 2017. The game's Bedrock update started rolling out in September of 2017 and allowed players on Xbox, Mobile, VR, and PC to play across those various platforms. Uh, so, this is Microsoft furthering the development of of Minecraft in the best possible way. Uh, for those that don't know about the history of Minecraft, of course, it was developed by Notch, it was developed by Mojang, and eventually it was sold off to Microsoft, I believe, or acquired by Microsoft in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but essentially, it became kind of like a big, huge brand that has been just spreading like wildfire. And it came to the Switch. Whenever the Switch came out last year, it's been in VR. There are a lot of different ways uh, that the game has been changed and improved uh, to overall make a better experience with the player themselves. And uh, obviously, the fact that Microsoft owns this kind of IP, you know, they are pretty much the the sole uh, owner of of what's going on over there at Minecraft. Uh, I do believe that that's why we're getting achievements on the Nintendo Switch because they can't implement that stuff. They can't install a system in the back end that allows Xbox achievements. And it's a smart idea because somebody who might be playing the Switch may see an achievement pop, think, "What is that?" Go in, see the achievements list, and say, "I want more of this kind of experience. I want to be rewarded." Uh, you know, for whatever it may be with you know, an award doesn't have to be money. An award doesn't have to be a trophy. It's simply just you know popping something up on your screen and saying, "Hey, you did this thing." within the game somebody might really enjoy that and go over there and jump over to xbox one you never know what the the crossover is going to be so uh, with with microsoft going ahead and adding this to the game i think it's going to be a benefit overall I think that it can't really hurt. I love achievements. I love trophies. Uh, in fact, that's one thing that I will say. I don't know what it is 
about playing on a console. I don't know what it is about uh, enjoying games on an Xbox One or a PlayStation. Of course, you know, I have a gaming PC that I normally play most of my games on. Uh, but when it comes to an achievement popping up or a trophy popping up, there's something that is so rewarding. Yo, Ducky, what's going on? Welcome into the chat. Hello, good morning. Um, but there's something that's so rewarding about opening up and seeing a trophy pop. There's something that's so rewarding about seeing an achievement pop. Uh, I just love that kind of experience. And it doesn't really cross over for the PC. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that achievements are spread over Steam, Uplay, etc. Um, but it's very cool to hear that for some reason or another, Xbox achievements are going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch version of Minecraft. Uh, so Nintendo needs to change that to a Nintendo and get on that stuff. Uh, but the final story of the day, Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice wins big at the 2018 BAFTA Game Awards, uh, but it missed out on the biggest, best game. Uh, this is coming to us from PC Gamers, Andy Chalk. Uh, for those that don't know what the BAFTA Game Awards are, the BAFTA, BAFTA, let me make sure I have the right information for you. Uh, the 14th British Academy Games Awards, I would assume that would be the 15th now. Uh, whatever it may be, but the uh, the British Academy Game Awards uh, were happening a couple of uh, about like like last night, I think. And uh, Hellblade: Sinuous Sacrifice was the big winner at tonight's British Academy Games Awards. I could have just read the dang article. Uh, the UK's annual BAFTA ceremony celebrating outstanding achievements in video games. Hellblade claimed victory in five categories, including artistic achievement, best performer, best British game, but the best game nod went to What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, Edith Finch beat out Assassin's Creed Origins, Hellblade, Horizon Zero Dawn, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and Super Mario Odyssey to take the big crown. This is actually the second win for developer Giant Sparrow. Its previous game, The Unfinished Swan, won the Best Debut Game Award in 2013. Uh, Double Fine Entertainment boss Tim Schafer was this year's BAFTA Fellowship winner, awarded in recognition of outstanding and exceptional contribution to film, games, or television. Uh, previous fellowship winners include John Carmack, Gabe Newell, Peter Molyneux, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, David Brobin, and Will Wright. Tim Schafer is a true pioneer of game design who has pushed the boundaries of the medium through his extraordinary talents, BAFTA CEO Amanda Berry said. Uh, with a career spanning three decades, his diverse body of work includes some of the most iconic and best-loved adventure games, all characterized by its powerful storytelling and distinctive comedic writing style. We're honored to be presenting him with the BAFTA Fellowship. The full list of categories and winners is below. I'm going to kind of scroll through these. Evolving Game Overwatch. It's high noon. Uh, game Development, uh, Hellblade, yeah, you got some of that. Game Design, Odyssey, Game Innovation, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Also, Rasm, good morning, how are you? Uh, Hellblade bored the heck out of me as a viewer. I mean, I think it's one of those games where uh, there are some games that can be streamed and maintain their level of entertainment. Uh, but when it comes to Hellblade, I think it's one of those experiences where you kind of have to dive into it and really and really experience it one-on-one -on -one and get that full, uh, full emotional connection that you get from something with Hellblade. And there were some lyrics in the background of my music that I was like, what the hell is that? Uh, but uh, mobile game, Golf Clash, Divinity Original Sin 2 was multiplayer. Music was Cuphead. Uh, that's a cool one. I thought that music would probably go to like something like Breath of the Wild because there was such an ambiance there with the music. Uh, but original property, Horizon Zero Dawn, there were a ton, a ton of awesome winners. So if you watched BAFTA, you can, uh, you can hit that up, see what's going on over there, and you can watch the full replay. But essentially, uh, the ones that are important is that uh, What Remains of Edith Finch won the best game, which is a big, big thing. <laughs> no Japanese game feels bad, man. No, I think it's all about the, uh, well, I mean, no, not really. Uh, well, The Legend of Zelda is somewhat Japanese, right? Yeah. Super Mario Odyssey is somewhat Japanese, right, with the Italian plumber? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what Gorogo, Gorogoa? What the hell is that? Never heard of that game before. Performer M Melina Jurgens as Sinua in Hellblade Sacrifice. That's a pretty good one. Uh, but overwhelmingly, except Breath of the Wild, there you go. It's all due. Uh, so, 
Uh, with that being said, it was pretty cool to see all these games winning. Of course, I didn't watch the Battlefield Awards. It was one of those things where uh, I had some things to do. I had some things to get done, so I didn't get the chance to watch them. But it's cool to be able to go back and watch all these all these recaps. And I'm sure that there are highlight reels online. I'm sure that there are previous live streams you can check out and watch the VODs of, see what's going on with there. Why is Undertale not there? I suppose that it was not... I suppose that it was not chosen to win, but you do have Night in the Woods, so there's that. But um, Undertale is one of those games where I still haven't played it. I know I said that I would play it when it came out on the Switch, and I never did get around to it, but it is what it is. And uh, and I might get around to it at some point or another. But um, but yeah, I also wanted to, uh, before we wrap things up, I did want to say that... Um, that Enjoy that little that little diddle. Uh, but there are a couple of free games uh, out there this weekend if you did want to give them a shot. First off, uh, you have Halo 5 free on the Xbox One as well as Skyrim, the special edition, if you wanted to check that out. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, we also have, um, it escapes my mind, uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. That is also available for free to play this weekend across all of the platforms. Decky in the chat says Mario is a Japanese dude playing an Italian stereotype as part of a Secret Service mission. Absolutely. And the Switch has been sold. Indeed, I did sell my Switch. That could be something of a um, that could be something of a character issue within my heart. Uh, but I'm enjoying my Xbox One way more than I did with my Switch. And I hope that the Switch has gone to somebody who uh, maybe was having a, a tough time financially and couldn't afford the new version of the Switch. It's cool to be able to think uh, that what I didn't appreciate enough is being appreciated now in the arms of some dude, some kid, some woman, whatever they may be. Um, the the fact that it's out there and being loved in the way that it very well should be experienced. Then by all means, that sounds good to me. Free trial. Oh, yes, um, if you play the free trials of Halo 5, uh, Skyrim Special Edition, or uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, I believe all of the all of the experience and all of the in-game earnings carry over if you do buy the game. And I think Recon Wildlands is um, is up to like 67% off. I, I might give it a shot if I do enjoy the game. Uh, but I'm definitely going to be getting it with Wildlands, absolutely. I'm trying to figure out where I want to play it. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be getting it on the Xbox One or the PC, uh, but I am kind of leaning towards PC just because, you know, shooting mechanics, point click, you know, as they say, click on the head, that's that's winning. Uh, but I hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode of Caffeinate. If you did and you're listening on podcast services, by all means, leave me a rating, let me know what you think. And also, if you are listening on Anchor.fm, favorite the podcast, be sure to give me some applause if you uh, did want to... That was, a, that was the sound of me clapping, not something else. Applaud the show. If you're watching live with me here on YouTube, thank you guys for being here. Much appreciated. I know that it's been a bit of a short episode, but I have class on Fridays that I need to leave for at 8 a.m., and it is, in fact, 7.30. So, um, so yes, also, I may play Wildlands on the PS4. We'll see how it goes. I played it whenever the game had an open beta, uh, but I wasn't super into it. Anyways, uh, yes, we've hit the Anchor. We've hit the iTunes ratings. We have hit YouTube. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube... Later on with the VOD, be sure to click that subscribe button if you want daily, at least weekday daily, uh, uploads of Caffeinate and live streams of Caffeinate. Or if you want to see my videos three days a week, there's also that stuff out there. But uh, follow me on Twitter at Pretty Chill Guy, all that good stuff. And uh, I won't bother your ears anymore. Enjoy your day. Have a fantastic one. I will talk to you soon. And peace. <laughs>